Have you ever taken two plants and watered one with miracle Grow and one with just plain water? No. I've seen the commercial. You've seen the commercial? <laughs> I have done it. <laughs> I have done it because I wanted to see if miracle Grow was really that good that it would make that much of a difference. So I had these climbing pink roses, which look more like dead sticks. But, <laughs> but I thought, okay, I'm going to test this. And I'm going to water one with miracle Grow and one just with water. And sure enough, the one I'd watered with miracle Grow had like three or four times the amount of blooms as the other one. The other one was just barely, maybe one or two. And this one, just tons of blooms. And I thought, well, okay, let's try it again. So I let some time go. And then I decided to do it opposite and water the other one with miracle Grow and not that one. And then I watched them that way. Then this one's got tons of blooms and this one's just barely. It made a huge difference. Now, that's what the Word of God will do for you. It will grow you up faster than anything else on the face of this earth. Prayer is good and prayer helps, but nothing will grow you like the Word of God. You will grow, I believe, like three times faster or more than the average church attender that just goes to church on Sunday because of the discipline that you're putting upon yourself by doing the school, by reading the word, by the extra studying that you're doing. You will grow spiritually. Now, the reason why we know that is because the main way that we grow, by meditating in the word, by practicing the word, by giving the word first place, and by instantly obeying the voice of your spirit. Have you ever seen, and I'm sure you have in this case, the vines that grow on the side of the freeway? They go, grow straight up a rock wall. But that rock that they cling to is their support system. It's their strength. Without that, they would just tip over and blow in the wind because they don't have it in themselves to stand. They don't have the structure in them. But that vine is strong because it's attached itself to the rock. Now, Jesus is also called the Word. And the Word is like the rock to you. And you're being grafted into the word, attached to the rock, so that you're strong, so that when the winds come, they're not going to blow you over. Nothing is going to be able to make an impact on you because of the word of God's going to be so strong in you that you and the word become one. Like Jesus said, I am one. The Father and I are one. And Jesus was called the word. That's what I want to get across to you in this class, is I want to get the Word of God into you. I want you to so value it that it'll be natural to you to do when you're finished with the school. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, and then we're going to look at 11 and 15. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Then 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So this is our goal. 
And if you go back to verse 13, you, you see that we're to grow up to a mature man. So in other words, there, spiritually, there are stages of growth. And we can compare them because the Bible does. So here it's talking about a mature man. So the goal of all these gifts, if you think you're called to one of these things, an evangelist or a prophet, a teacher, a pastor, then your purpose is to equip the saints for the work of service. There's a reason for it so that the body of Christ can be built up. And in building up the body of Christ, how's that done? It's done so that they become mature in Christ, tossed around by waves or doctrines, by what somebody said here or there, but they're so grounded and established in the word that they know the word for themselves, and they're not tricked. They're not moved or carried away lightly by false teachings. In other words, established and grounded in the word. And how do we do that? primarily through the Word of God and through those four things that I just went over with you by meditating in the Word, by practicing the Word, by giving the Word first place, and by instantly obeying the voice of your spirit. Now, turn to 1 Peter 2.2, and it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. That's the King James. So, again, we're seeing here as newborn babes, meaning there's another stage of spiritual development, is babyhood. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That ye may grow thereby, meaning it's the word that's going to grow the babies. And it's not just the word that grows the babies, it's the word that grows everybody. So we grow by the word of God. And we can see that in the scripture. What causes spiritual growth? The word of God. You've got to know it, and you've got to apply it. But congratulations to all of you because you're doing that. You've put the word into practice. You're choosing to meditate in the word. You're choosing to give the word first place by being willing to take time out of your schedules, by being willing to spend your free time reading instead of watching TV, by being willing to be diligent the word into yourself every day through a disciplined Bible reading plan. You're choosing to do this. Temptations in the past will be much easier now to just say no to. Just no's. Just absolute no's. Why? Because Christ always causes us to triumph. Always. He always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word. So when you come upon temptation, you've got word in you to quote. Hey, even Jesus quoted the word to the devil. As though the devil didn't know it, of course he does, because he could quote the word back to Jesus. So that gives us an indication of how well we need to know the word. If the devil can quote it and the devil knows it, and he's been here for a long time, it's important for us to know it. Because he can misquote it. He can use it deceitfully, which he did with Jesus, trying to twist it. When Jesus dealt with the devil, he quoted back and said, it is written. So not only will this grow you, but this is your greatest weapon. This is your greatest shield. This is what your faith is based on. Yes, it's based in God, but we know him through his word. That's the primary way we know him. Our experiences really take a back seat to the word, to the written word. This is like a legal binding document from God to us. We can trust it. It's tested. It's true. This is it for you. This is it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of the evangelism outreach. Raise your hand if you've already been on, if you went on the last one. Oh, quite a few of you did. Okay. 
I want to talk about babes in Christ. But with you here, what I see is that either you are mature in Christ or you're choosing to be and you're diligently seeking after that and wanting that, desiring that for your life. And you're going to grow fast, whatever stage you're at. But when we do things like go out on these evangelism outreaches and we get people saved, they're babies in Christ. And they don't necessarily know what to do. So I want to speak to you from the standpoint of being the mature ones, being the ones that have knowledge, that have understanding of the word. And you may think to yourself, but I don't know that much. But I bet you know more than the people that you got saved the last time you went out. And all you have to do is apply what you know. And then just be diligent to study to learn more. But don't focus on what you don't know because that's negative. Focus on what you do know and apply what you do know. We will always be learning and growing in our knowledge of God. Always. We will always be being conformed to his image while we're on this earth. That's a process that will always be occurring. So stay focused on the positive and then be a blessing to those that know less than you. And there are those that know less than you. So going back to those that recently got saved, I want to kind of compare and contrast what we see in a mature believer and what we see in people that are young spiritually. And I want to talk about the responsibility then, since either you've gone on one of the outreaches or you will go. And even if not on one of the outreaches, then there are places where you have been where you've been witnessing to people. I know Celadonia has been bringing somebody to church that was a Jehovah's Witness. I, my understanding is that Glenn got somebody saved on the golf course the other day. Okay, so here's, okay, Mariella brought Michelle. So Michelle, praise the Lord. Now there's true discipleship. Not only did she bring her to church, but she got her plugged into Bible school and kept her, kept her going over obstacles. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't give up. Okay. Praise God. Okay. Now there's something in that. And what I, what I want you to see is that people that don't know, don't know. If they don't know what they're missing, it's because they don't know what they're missing. If it's, if they haven't been discipled, it's because they haven't been discipled because nobody's taken the time to tell them how much there is in Christ. How much good, how much excitement, how much life, how much health, how much freedom. They don't necessarily know that. Sometimes people in the world, the book of rules. If I go that way, then I know there's all these things I can't do. But they don't necessarily know all the freedom of the things that you can do. And anyway, usually the things they want to do are usually pretty bad that end up in worse bondage. And they're not a source of freedom. They're usually deceptive lies or counterfeits, even alcohol. You can get drunk in the Holy Spirit and wake up with no hangover. Okay? If you like to laugh and if you like that sense of freedom, God's got it. But he's got the real and the genuine. The world's got the counterfeit. But until we tell the world there's a better way, they just don't know. So they're doing what they know. So when we go and we get these people saved, whether it's the guy on the golf course or it's somebody that you've been bringing to church, they are what we call spiritual babies. And that's not to insult them. It's just to give us an understanding of the amount of care that they need. And it's probably a real natural thing for anybody that's got pastoral gifting to want to shepherd somebody. But it's not just with the natural gifting. We were told in the word to make disciples of all nations. 
not just go get them saved, make disciples. So what we're trying to do is to switch from just getting people saved, which we've, we've actually been really good at as a church, to now I've been really convicted about don't just get them saved and leave them on the street. You need to get them discipled. But I'm realizing it's not just my job to do that or Pastor Brad's job. It's the church's job. You're the church. Yes, I'm part of the church, but so are you. Every one of you are part of the church, which means as much as it is my job, it's your job. And it's really more my job to encourage you to do your job. So that's what I want to do is this is what God really has put on my heart is for you to recognize that you have a maturity level now that can be a blessing to others. What does it take now once you get somebody led to the Lord? They just don't get it. But they don't understand the importance of being discipled. They don't know how much there is. And oftentimes they don't even understand that there's a devil and the devil's real. I mean, I used to think it was just a little Halloween character with little red horns and a cape. I didn't really think it was real. So they just don't know yet. But you do have knowledge. And you're accountable for that knowledge before God. It is no longer enough for you as maturing believers to just get someone saved. You ready for this? God will hold you accountable for discipling them and me, which means don't just get them saved. Now you've got to get them into church, whether it's this church or another church or some type of a discipleship program. Why? Because they're babies. You know, when a baby is born, the mom and dad carry the little thing around. They do everything for it. It does nothing except you know, <laughs> right? I mean, they really don't do a whole bunch of anything. I mean, you hope one day they're going to, I mean, and you know, parents get so excited when the baby finally smiles at you. It did something. I finally, after, you know, months, you get a response. Oh, it smiled. The baby smiled. I mean, you've been changing diapers for months. You've been waking up in the middle of the night, just sewing, 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 sewing to this little creature, sewing. And, 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 and then people wonder why parents get so excited that their child smiled. I mean, my sister has to call me and tell me everything little, every little thing her daughter does. I'm like, been there, done that. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I know. I'm like, oh, this is so, Lila wants to say hi to you. I'm like, I'm like, okay. She's now learning how to talk on the phone. Okay. So he puts me on the phone and it's total silence. Well, I guess she decided she didn't want to say anything now. Okay. All right. Why? Because parents are so excited about the progress that these babies are making. But now we can take that and apply that spiritually to these, these newborn Christians. They don't necessarily know a devil's real. They don't know that much about God. They don't necessarily know how to pray. And if they were Catholic, they're probably still praying to Mary if they're praying. Good hearts, good intentions, but it doesn't cut it. Why? Because it's not word-based. I mean, God out of his mercy will help them, but we need to do things the way the scripture lays out for us. So these babies need to be carried into the church the same way parents carry babies. What does that mean? You may have to drive your sweet little car over to their house and pick them up for a Sunday morning and bring them literally to church. You may have to do it more than one time because they don't get it. And until they get it, we're responsible for them. We're responsible for them until they get it. And you stay with them until they get it, until they get it. It may be that church, they're not even quite ready for it yet, even though they said yes to Jesus. So you may need to invite them over to your house for dinner. That's what somebody did with me. I got saved. I yielded my life to the Lord. 
this guy was out. I think I was saved earlier than that, but this is where I really turned my life over to the Lord. And he was out at Tower Records witnessing, and I walked up to him and said, I'm such an easy mark. Is that a Bible? He said, yes, that must be why I'm here. I I looked in his eyes. I could tell by looking in his eyes that he knew the truth. And there had just been a lot of stuff going on that I didn't understand spiritually in my life where I knew power was real. I knew the devil was real because there were things happening, and I needed help. And I needed somebody that understood the word of God and believed the word of God because I'd gone from church to church. I'd gone to a Catholic church. I'd gone to a Presbyterian church. I'd made appointments with pastors. I'd sat in there with pastors and asked them questions, and they couldn't give me the answers. And so God, out of his mercy, had somebody go out outside of Tower Records. I'm not even into music. I mean, I like worship music, but usually my friends buy it for me and go, here, this is good. I'll go, thank you. Okay, even then it wasn't into music. It was just, I was by the grace of God led to go. Now, here's the thing. I could tell when I looked in his eyes, I, it was like I could see light. And I knew he knew. And when I said, do you believe that God's real but so's the devil? He said, yeah, I believe that. The devil's real. I'm like, okay, I need to talk to you some more. Okay, now here's what happened though. I was interested, but then they wanted to invite me to their family barbecue. So I, I prayed with him that night that they want to invite me to their family barbecue. I was just graduating from college, and I was single. And they had a whole bunch of little kids, and I thought that was really geeky. I didn't want to go to some family barbecue. So I said no. And then they called me again and invited me to another family barbecue with their kids. Woo, we're living it up now. And, and I said, no, <laughs> no, thank you. That's really kind of you. I really appreciate the offer, but, you know, I'm busy. And I ran out of how many times I was busy. And it was somewhere between 8 and 13 times that they called me. And that's what I want to get across to you, is to be persistent. Because I think sometimes we've backed off. And we've thought, I want to respect their boundary lines. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to insult them. I respect that they said no, therefore it's no. Eight to 13 times, do you realize how thankful I am that she, and it was his wife that called me, never gave up on me? And then once they got me over to their house, you know that was just the hook, right? The little barbecue, and you know, I love them, but it really was geeky. And so, but they hooked me, and I could see they had life. And then I realized, oh, and then we started talking. He'd, he'd explain my, he'd explain things that I'd ask. And there was life there. Now, they were doing it to get me discipled, and they did, and they did disciple me. Stan and Krista Scarbeck, they've been here before. I don't know if you've met them. They've been a couple times at our services. To the point that then at one point they had me move in with them, and I lived with them, literally. And he would do, and by this time I've now humbled myself, and I realize they all know more than I do, even their kids who are little like this at that (laughs) point. And so he did a little Bible study It was a Christ for the Nations thing where we all had to sit down and memorize these little verses together. And he did this little Bible study for me and his four little boys. And I sat there with his four little boys and did this Bible study and was very thankful for it. And then he'd sit up with me and his wife sometimes till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and we'd talk about the Lord and they'd answer all my questions. He discipled me. Now, I think, I don't know how God does all this. Anything I do on this earth, they'll have some type of a hand or reward in any good that I ever do because they brought me to a point where then I could function, to the point where they had me move in with them. 
because I needed to, because there were things going on spiritually that I couldn't explain, and I felt I needed to, I wanted to be protected by somebody that understood their authority in the spirit until I could understand my authority in the spirit and then stand and function spiritually myself. So they discipled me. I want you to see their persistence. I want you to see how many times they stuck with me because I want you to start sticking with people like that from now on. I'm not saying do it until you, until you really irritate them, but they irritated me and they kept going anyway. They really did. I'm not kidding. They irritated me. I thought, if this one, how can, I thought, I've said no how many, how many times? How can they possibly call me again? And finally, I felt sorry for them. <laughs> and I ran out of no. I just ran out of no. I just, it just wasn't even in my heart to say no anymore. So finally I said, okay, they're going with me. So I didn't have to go by myself. <laughs> I ran out of no's. And they'll tell you that in sales calls that people only have so many no's. And then they run out. They only have so many no's. And they run out. And now we, because we have more knowledge, we know the truth. We know what they're missing, what they have and what they don't have. We've got the knowledge. We know it's to their advantage to get discipled. It pays to be persistent. So I don't want us going out anymore and getting people saved and then leaving them thinking we're done. Well, God will take care of them. I'm sure God will take care of them, but I want us to start having a greater sense of responsibility for the people that we lead to the Lord and understand what it takes to get them to the point where they get it, where they understand that it's important that they get discipled so that they can pray effectively, so that they can live a victorious life, so that they can walk in freedom. And it takes a little while. Now, let's talk a little bit about spiritually mature versus babes in Christ. Spiritually mature take care of themselves. They read the word on their own. They pay their own bills. They tithe. They're givers. They're stable. They're stable emotionally. They don't draw attention to themselves. Have you ever noticed a little child, like two, three, four, when they do something? Oh, look at me! Look at me! Look at what I just did! Okay? Well, the same can be applied spiritually. If somebody's drawing attention to themselves, they're not pointing the glory to Jesus. So that's just somebody that's young in the Lord. I say that to give yourself a check. Are you testifying because you want to glorify God or do you want to draw attention to yourself? And even when I do messages up here, sometimes I've got to check myself, make sure my heart's right. Sometimes with stories. And, and, and I pray, God, give me somebody else's stories. Like Terry Hagan has such a fantastic memory for stories. He can remember everybody else's stories. I tell more about me because easier for me to remember I mean I know my life but I like stories about other people because it doesn't draw attention to myself but it just glorifies God and it illustrates points now the spiritually mature have their minds set on things above without denying their responsibilities here on earth and that's important because some people can be so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good do you see what I'm saying Everything's spiritual, 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 but they don't do the dishes and they don't take care of their children and they can't hold a job. Well, that's not spirituality, but have their mindset on things above. In other words, the things that interest God are the things that interest me. The things that are most important to God are the things that are the most important to me. I'm more interested in salvations than treasure. I'm more interested in salvations than money. I'm more interested in getting people discipled 
than financial gain, even though I like financial gain. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just having priorities straight, having your heart, having your heart right. Spiritually mature, and this is important, and this is why I'm talking to you tonight, take care of others. Babies are self-centered. The mature are other-centered. The mature are not easily offended. Babies need a lot of encouragement. And I'm telling you this because you can either check yourself on it or you can just use it to have grace for other people when you're ministering to them. Babies need a lot of encouragement. They need to be reassured. They need to be encouraged. Why? Because their faith probably isn't where yours is yet. And so it takes a lot of extra patience working with young ones until they get grown to a point where they can stand on their own and exercise their own faith. They often have to be fed the word with a spoon. They want someone else to do everything for them. They want that someone else should take care of them, provide for them. But the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Hardcore, but that's what the Bible says. Now, the spiritually mature do their work as unto the Lord, as if he is watching them, because he is. The spiritually mature do their work as if it's unto the Lord, because they know that what they do, they do unto him. And that their reward comes from him, not from a man. Much better to get your reward coming from God. Children often want to see how much they can get away with. Can they arrive late? Fold the bulletins crooked? Don't put away the children's toys? Don't clean up? Leave early? Shortcut the rules? Children want to test the rules until they finally realize you mean it. And you'll see that with, with young believers too, pushing the rules, testing the rules, always wanting the exception. Or you've got the mature believers that, are, that understand the program, that are going along with everything, that are doing their work heartily to please God, as though God's their supervisor, as though they're doing it directly for God, not for man. Children want their way. And if they don't get it, for instance, sometimes in counseling, then they want to leave. And the thing about that is your natural children really can't leave because they can't provide for themselves and they don't have a car to get anywhere. So your natural children, when you make rules or you, you counsel them a certain way or you ground them, they have to abide by it. Christians have the option of staying or going, of taking it or not taking it. And so this is where if you can get somebody through those stages and help them to be able to see things the way God sees, then you can be a blessing to them. And I'm thinking primarily of somebody that wanted to get married, wanted to rush into marriage, and wanted to do it without counseling. And then it cost them, because they were young, and maybe full of lust, or whatever, stars in their eyes. But they wanted to rush into something, and so they did it going around the help that God's put in place. And so it cost them. But the spiritually mature will take counsel. The spiritually rich, mature know that God's put offices in the body as a check and balance to help, to be a blessing, not a hindrance. And that really people that do have genuine good hearts are there to help you, not to hinder you. But sometimes when the flesh doesn't get what it wants... It feels like it's being hindered and wants to rebel, but that's not spiritual maturity. Let's go over how we grow. And I just wanted to do this and compare some of these attributes to you so that you have grace for those that are younger 
than you in the Lord so that you'll have grace and patience when they say no to you five times when you invite them to church or you invite them over to your house or to go out to lunch with you because you know they're ripe for the harvest. You know they're ripe. You can just see that they need God all over them, that you won't quit, that you won't give up, that you'll stay with it. Mark said that he'd been inviting his neighbors for two years to come to this church. Two years. Two years, maybe you'd think, I guess I really don't want to come, but he kept at it. And they showed up two Sundays ago for the first time. And Mark's going to follow up. Mark's going to follow up on them because they're spiritual babes, right? Okay, so Mark's still working on it, and he's following up on them to try to get them plugged in. I don't think they speak, not that many of them speak English, so we can talk about is this the best place for them or is there another Spanish-speaking church or can we help them enough? But they need to be in a church that knows the word that can get them discipled. God can use this one until it can get hooked up, you know, possibly somewhere else or just find a way to stay hooked up here with maybe Judith helping them. Or Saul and Saul interpreting for them. Why? Because they're babies in the Lord and they don't get it yet. But they will get it and we need to help them until they do get it. Because look at it, it took two years of sowing to just get them in the door. Are, are they worth it? Yeah. Every soul you can pull out of hell is worth it. Every soul. Because you can change their eternal destiny. It's not temporary. It's eternal. We're dealing with eternal things. Spiritual things are eternal things. We, you and I will always know each other forever, for eternity. Robert and Devanya, the way that I don't get sad that they moved, I just think, well, praise the Lord, I'll get to see him in heaven. When there's plenty of time, no time crunch. You guys have the tools and the equipment to pull people out of hell. Jesus already did the work. All you have to do is tell them and stay with them long enough that they can start getting it themselves and then they can start walking themselves. Little children, when Chad first started to learn how to walk, he got so excited. He wanted me to hold his hands around our house. I think I spent a month bent over like this. I'm not kidding. And I did this little loop around our house until my back ached, but it just thrilled him. I mean, and I just kept doing it. Now, this next one, I'm not doing it like that. I'm just, crawl, baby, crawl. <laughs> Maybe you can sucker your brother into walking you around like that, you know? Or see that coffee table? Go use that. Pull yourself up. And it, really, crawling, crawling is a good process. I've learned some things that supposedly it's tied with other things. So anyway, but I didn't know that then. So I thought, here I'm helping my child, my aching back. And I am literally walking him around this loop in my house. And I did it for a month until he could get it and do it himself because he was so thrilled about it. This is what we need to do with some of these spiritual young ones that just get saved. You need to, in your mind, if you have to take them by the finger and walk them in the door of a church or bring them over to your house for a meal or, hey, I'll meet you for lunch and I'll come pick you up. So to them, it's not just the salvation, it's the discipleship too because we got to get them to get to the point that they get it. They get it that they understand who they are in Christ so that they can stand then without you. But it takes a little while. So, you know, if you can do things like this, like get them plugged into Bible school right away, then your job's a lot easier. (laughs) I know she was tough. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I was tough. I was tough. You want me to go to some geeky barbecue? I don't think so. I'm in 
in college. I'm single. I'm like, you want me to go hang out with your little kids? Oh, but such life. Thank God they didn't quit on me. Thank God they didn't quit. They discipled me. They stayed with me until I got it. Until I got that God was real, so was the devil. That I had authority, that I could pray, that I could figure out now who I am in Christ. You mean, you mean I, can, I can tell the devil to get away from me? Wow, that's pretty neat. <laughs> I've got that authority? Wow, okay. And that was good. And I needed, I needed somebody to hold my hand until I could get to that point. Be willing to hold their hands. Be willing to stay with them. It's worth it. Don't let them just get saved and then fall away. Sow that word into them, and then you stay with that word until that word can be harvested, until they're growing in the word, until they know the word, until they're getting it, until they get it, till they can stand on their own. It's worth it. These people are worth it. 